0: When it comes to being careless and immature with money, there's not a lot that can be preached. Folks, I'm just telling you, there's not a lot that can be preached. The best sermon for people who are being careless or immature with money, the best sermon for that is, do not spend money on ridiculous stuff that you don't need. Here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to try to wrap up a teaching that we began a couple of weeks ago. By the way, my apologies for uh, the lapse in bringing you the second half of this. I took a little vacay. Uh, So we had to re-air a program, but I'm back. I also want to express my thanks to uh, New Life Community Church for a tremendous uh, pastor's appreciation celebration this past weekend. And for any of you out there that pray for us regularly. I know we have some regular uh, viewers, and I appreciate that more than you can imagine. I'm just sitting before a camera right now in the uh, confines of my office with all the faith in the world, that somebody's going to be listening out there. And it amazes me how many times I'm in some place here in the area, and someone starts speaking to me. They say, hey, we we listen to your program. We know who you are. I may not even know them, but they recognize this uh, television face or my voice, as the case might be and they are so complimentary, and we appreciate it. And I encourage you to continue to pray for this program, programs like this where the Bible is taught in a balanced way. They're few and far between, and I am here for you, you alone. I'm here to bring you a balanced approach to the Bible, the Word of God, and I trust that it would penetrate not only your physical ears, but your spirit, man as well Uh, let me begin to wrap it up this way let me ask you this do you own anything do you have some stuff I have some stuff some of my favorite stuff is musical instruments I play several musical instruments and uh, they're kind of my getaway they're kind of my diversion I own them but here's here's where I wanted to go with that have you surrendered your stuff to God Are you of the mindset that, hey, this is mine, I own it, I can do with it as I please? Or have you surrendered that stuff? Have you surrendered your possessions to God, realizing that it really is His, and He can get it back anytime He wants it? Isn't that uh, an interesting thought? With that, let me share with you... uh, part of our text passage for this particular teaching if you'd go with me to first timothy chapter 6 i want to begin reading around verse 6 and the record puts it this way paul says but godliness with contentment is great gain look at verse 7 4 we brought nothing into the world it's true All that we brought into the world was a scream. (laughs) We brought nothing into the world. Look at this. And we can take nothing out of it. Verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Content. Remember that word. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for each and every one that's turned on this telecast. By whatever means, whether they're listening live or to a re-air or listening through social media, I pray in Jesus' name that Your Word would go forth and penetrate again, not only their ears, but their hearts, their spirit, man. May it come alive within them, and may they realize that what they have is because You've allowed them to have it, and it needs to be surrendered to You. God, help us with this, we pray. Uh, Pray specifically that we would use our possessions to promote Your kingdom work. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm gonna be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless you. Both God and money. So I'm back to my initial question. What is God's plan for me and my finances? It's pretty simple. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's simple. Are y'all still awake? Goot your neighbor. If you're happy and you know it, goot your neighbor. Stay with me, this is important. Here's God's plan for you. God's economic plan for you. God's economic plan is to meet your needs, to meet your needs and to bless your sowing. It's no more complicated than that. God wants to meet your needs and bless your sowing. Pastor, you better have some Bible for that. Well, why else would I throw that out to you? If you read Paul's writings that he wrote from prison, by the way, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, we see this, and my God will. Is that what it says? My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote a letter to another church fellowships called Galatians. And he did that so that that letter could be passed on to us. It's for the church body. And it says this, uh, the New Living Translation, you will always, you will, used again, you will harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. Now watch this. There is a caveat to these two verses. There are specific stipulations to these verses. There are specific conditions to these verses. And Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 just wraps it up very well. So I'm encouraging you to, to go there with me right now. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus is preaching. How cool is that? And here's what he says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The context of that is all the cares of life. All of these things will be given to you as well. Now church, watch this. Those of you that claim to be born again, spirit-filled church chair sitters, listen to this. This does not say all these things will be given to you. Don't go around telling your friends and neighbors You know, the Bible says that all of these things are gonna be given to me. That is not what the Bible says. Well, what does it say? Look again, look real closely at this. I'm headed to number seven on your study notes. What it does say is, seek God's kingdom and his righteousness before everything else then. Are you listening? Do you even understand what that means? Seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness before everything else. Do you know and understand that means knowing and understanding this and applying this over your life? That's the the most simple, practical way I can say that to you. Beloved, at that point, the God that you are in a heart, mind, soul, and strength relationship with will see to it that you are abundantly resourced for life. How many of you desire to be financially sound and less stressed? If that be the case, then I want you to be encouraged. Here's a key. Be encouraged to surrender yourself completely to God. This is a concept that's hard to express. It's hard to comprehend and understand because most of us come out of the womb wired and geared up to be self-centered. That's the way we come out and unfortunately, that's the way the culture teaches you to continue to live. You want to know one of the reasons why Jesus had such a tough time? Ask me, and I'll tell you. Thank you for asking. Because Jesus was going around saying to all of these people that was clamoring about all this stuff and all this power and all this prestige, hey, that's not what you need. What you need is a relationship with God. You need to get rid of all this stuff. Remember the rich young ruler? He says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, I'll tell you, blah, 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 blah. And oh, by the way, get rid of all your stuff and come follow me. And he said, uh, is there another plan? He went away what, church? He went away sad. Yes, him did. Do you know this? The overwhelming majority of problems in our lives come forth as a consequence of us arguing with God about priorities. Have you ever seen any full-grown church folks having a hissy fit with God? God, you want me to do what? What? But God, I want to do this. (laughs) And they take it out on the preacher. They take it out on the elders. They take it out on everybody other than doing the one thing that will eliminate the problem. Let me me do this. Let me back up a little New Life instant replay. (laughs) Be encouraged to surrender yourself completely to God. The overwhelming majority of problems come forth as a consequence of us arguing with God about priorities. Check this out. This nearly always leads to or is connected to ecology, the theology of economics. Now, I'm beginning to wind down Don't be too encouraged by that. I want to just throw this in. By the way, I had six weeks of material to share with you this morning. You wouldn't believe how much weeding out I had to do. Maybe we'll share that with you another time. But I did want to say this when it comes to being careless, do you know anybody that could care less? When it comes to being careless and immature with money, there's not a lot that can be preached. Folks, I'm just telling you there's not a lot that can be preached. The best sermon for people who are being careless or immature with money, the best sermon for that is do not spend money on ridiculous stuff that you don't need. John Wesley said this, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Hmm. And can you be encouraged not to have a one-person debate with yourself? That's funny, right there. I don't care who you are, but don't we do that all the time, arguing with ourselves? I think this. Hey, I. What do you think? I just told you what I think. Well, I want you to reinforce what I think. I. You know, kind of a one, can you see how ridiculous that is? Don't we do that all the time with our finances? A one-person debate. Listen to me. The secret is being able to discern needs from greeds with Holy Spirit counsel and very wise counselors that hopefully you surround yourself with. That is mature money management. Does that make sense to you? Pastor, it ain't nobody else's business what I do. I'm not talking about getting in other people's business or other people getting in your business. I'm talking about doing what the Bible tells us. If any of you lacks wisdom, and I guarantee you there's somebody in this room that lacks wisdom about money. You want to talk? If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally, not just keep it to himself. I move on. I won't charge you for that. That was a little side note. Number eight on your study notes. How many study notes do we have today? Oh, boy, we're getting close. Here we go. Be encouraged to know this. When you surrender yourself completely, then your resources, your money or otherwise, is viewed through a different lens. Hmm. It's no longer mine. And God's, it's no longer my pile and God's pile. But it's God's resources. And he's trusting me, stewardship, trusting me to manage some of it. Pastor Terry, you better have some Bible for that. Have you ever read Matthew chapter 25? Have you ever read uh, Luke chapter 19, the parable of the talents? Does that not bear out what I'm preaching, teaching to you right now? Indeed, it does. Hey, let me say this, and I'm going to close. This is for you young people here this morning, those of you under 25. That would not be me or, well, let's just keep it at that. What I'm teaching you this morning, I wish I had heard at an earlier age in my life. Most of it I did, not all of it. But it it helps to put these principles, it helps to put this ecology into practice as early as possible. Can you imagine with me a young Christian? I'm talking about somebody 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 17, 18 years old. Can you imagine with me a young Christian buying into you see what I did there? <laughs> Can you imagine buying into God's plan well before they are in position to have to engage the cares of life for his or her own household? Can you imagine as Pastor T sits down with a young couple in premarital counseling and I get that little yellow sheet out or whatever color it is, the uh, budget sheet. Everybody loves the budget sheet. Can you imagine if when I got that out, these couples started reflecting back to me, oh, Pastor Terry, we've been doing that for, for a year. We know all about this, both of us, the husband and the wife. By the way, it, and those of you that have been through, you know you've heard this before. I usually look at the couples and during premarital and say, okay, we're gonna talk about these finances for a few minutes. Which one of you is the spender and which one is the saver? Savior, saver. Yeah, I got that thing. Not savior. <laughs> the guy always saying, I'm the savior here. <laughs> Which one of you is the spender? Which one is the saver? And then you know what goes on. They know. They know. And here's my experiences over the years. One or the other says, I'm the saver. And the other one recognizes it and says, I'm the spender. And the other one recognizes it. And my counsel to them is, well, then you better let the saver be the one to take charge of some of this. What happens all too often is we have two spenders. Two spenders, and they end up in all kind of trouble. God help us. I'm not telling you this morning that all of what I've talked about will preclude any economic trials, but I am saying that you can see how this would help anyone navigate such trials with confidence and success. Knowing that God is a true owner of my resources, and he is, and that God's plan is missional in scope. Indeed, it is. That provides tremendous parameters for our ecology. Unfortunately, most children and teens are taught the principles of the culture, and they end up more like the prodigal instead of the prodigal's dad. Go with me to Luke 15. I want you to see this. Verse 11 says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. How many? The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. By the way, this was a major insult, it was tantamount to saying, Daddy, I wish you were dead. that which normally transpires after the death of the estate owner, he's saying, I want that to happen now. Are you with me? So he divided his property between them. And thus, the wandering benefactor pursued the lifestyle of a fool, an outright fool. Now, I took you there to say this conversely. What is the natural outcome of an economy, whether it's a household economy or otherwise, that is rightly viewed as a possession belonging to God and surrendered to God? Here it is. It is a lifestyle of contentment. That's what our text passage is trying to tell us. As opposed to a lifestyle of painful economic stress. Beloved, with regard to Econology, Christians often believe that they're responsible to God for, watch this, for 10% of what we call the tithe, which means the remaining 90% is theirs to do with as they please. I want you to understand this that ideology, that mentality, that kind of econology, beloved, will foster mismanagement and breed stress every single time. Go back with me to our text passage. But godliness with contentment is, say it with me, church, great gain. Can you imagine preaching this to a bunch of Americans? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul reminds us, we brought nothing into the world. Did any of you bring anything into the world? Say no. And look at this, and we can take nothing out of it. I've asked congregations before, do you know how much Elvis left behind? (laughs) All of it. We can take nothing out, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me if you would, please. We're not going to take a nap. I'm just doing that so you can listen. Let me ask you, are you experiencing some economic stress? If so, with all sincerity and with all the compassion that I can muster, I want to say this to you. I would ask you first of all, Are you surrendered? Are you fully surrendered? Now listen, many people are fully surrendered and they still undergo trials and tribulations. Paul was in prison when he wrote a lot of these things. He wasn't released. He had to endure that trial. But there was a purpose for that. And I'm not going into that at this point. Are you surrendered? I would have to ask you, are you seeking God? his kingdom, his righteousness, or are you seeking yourself? Are you in the predicament you're in because you haven't been surrendered and you're seeking yourself? Now, that doesn't bring a lot of comfort in and of itself, but I'm here to to encourage you with this. Even if you got yourself in the mess, if you'll be patient in God's time, in due season, if you'll now surrender yourself and purpose to be about His business, He can and will bring you out of that. He can and will bring you out of those painful situations. Well, I love it. Let's wrap it up just like this tonight. Can I ask you this? And I know this is being awful personal. But are you under some financial stress, some financial duress right now? So many are. These are difficult times. This has been one of the most difficult years of my life, especially in terms of pastoral ministry and dealing with people's needs. From one moment to the next, we don't know if we're going to have a job. We don't know whether we're going to be expected to work. We don't know what's going to happen with the house. We don't know what's going to happen with the car. Things are just all over the place and it's causing all kinds of problems. Well, here's, uh, here's where I found relief. Ever since I was about 15 years old, and trust me, that's been a long time ago, the Bible teaches if we'll seek God first, now watch this, if we will seek God first, that's a big if, He will supply all of our needs, and He'll do that according to His riches and glory, not according to our own Situation. I learned that very early in life. So here's what I want to suggest to you. I want to encourage you to yield or surrender your finances, even your financial uh, dilemma, your uh, financial hardships in particular. Surrender that to God. Now, let me say this parenthetically. What happens with most folks is when we get into financial trouble, we want to come screaming to God, God, help me, help me. I'm in trouble. I've made some dumb decisions. Hey, With all that being said, and that is painful, and I get that. But that being said, can you be encouraged to surrender your blessings to God? You see, why we get in trouble so many times is we do not surrender our blessings to God. We pray for God to bless us, and then when He blesses us, we go off and we do our own thing. We make bad decisions. We purchase things that we don't need to impress people that could care less, and we end up in a mess. Now, I may be describing someone right now. I don't want to re-preach this message. I just want to encourage you to surrender your belongings and even surrender your duress to God and trust Him to either bring you through, to or through or beyond the situation that you may be struggling with even now. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those specifically that may be enduring some kind of financial duress. I pray that if they haven't, that they would surrender their finances and surrender this problem to you, that they would seek you first, truly, truly that they would seek you and your agenda for their life first and foremost, and trust you to bring them through this difficult time and establish their feet on a solid rock and begin to bless them. And Lord, I pray for those of us who have been blessed that we will continue to yield those blessings to you and not just look at it as what can I do with it, but what would God have us do with it. I pray, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And let me suggest this to you. And you're probably going to expect this coming from a pastor. So many have pulled away from the church in the past year, all under the name of safety and so on and so forth. I totally get that. By the way, I am a COVID survivor, so I can tell you a lot about COVID that some people don't know. Boy, can I tell you. But listen, Pulling back for safety reasons is one thing. Pulling back from the church, I'm telling you, that's a serious issue because the Word of God tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And by the way, we shouldn't use programs like this as a substitute for the church either. That's a dangerous place to be. So I want to encourage you to be involved in a church fellowship. If you pulled away, get back in there. Set up on the front row, pray for your pastor, take that word in and work with the leaders of your church for the upbuilding of God's kingdom. Speaking of church, New Life has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We'd love to see you if you do not have a place where you uh, normally worship or if your place of worship is, quote unquote, Closed. Come on out and be a part of what's taking place here. We also have midweek activities. Yep, we're one of those places. Midweek activities, a good old Wednesday night service. And we call that Family Ministries Night. Let me tell you why. Because there's something for nearly every member. Of the family and that might just include you Well I have to get out of here According to the old clock on the wall My time is gone I am Terry Knight the pastor of New Life Community Church Wishing you a great week And remember my friends Jesus is coming back Is he coming back for you (music)